invite you to join us for a half hour of inspiration, sharing, and teaching in a new program of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This comes as an outreach of the Bogos Ministry for Orthodox Renewal, headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The founder of this ministry of faith is Father Eusebius Stefanu, Greek Orthodox priest, author, and evangelist, who's been called by God out of pastoral and professorial posts to proclaim the end-time message of salvation, healing, and deliverance in Jesus Christ. Father Stefanu comes to share a message of love and hope with both those who've never known Christ and those who are already members of the church but have never experienced the fullness of God's redeeming grace and healing power. At the close of the program, we will give you the address where you can write our evangelist. It will also appear on your screen in the course of the program. And now, our speaker and host, Father Eusebius Stefanu. Welcome to another program on Orthodox Christian Renewal. I want to thank you for joining me. Isn't it wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the hope of glory? Because Jesus gives us a purpose to live in. He gives us a plan for our life. There are so many people today that are living without any purpose at all. People are living meaningless lives, the aimless lives. But thank God for Jesus Christ who has revealed God's love to us. And we know what life is all about. We know why God has created us. We know why we're living on this earth. Not only that, but I think one of the most wonderful things about the Christian life is that we can say that we have a sense of expectation, that we know what's coming ahead. And especially do we know that Jesus Christ is returning again, and that will wind it all up. In other words, that's what gives meaning at the final stage, the Christian dispensation, is the return of Jesus in glory. Before I go on with this message, because that's what I want to speak about uh, today, uh, exactly what the signs of the times are under which Jesus Christ will return. In other words, what are the circumstances that will be indicating the early return of Jesus? But before we go on, I'd like to thank you for your support of this program. I know that many of you are sharing in this ministry with your prayers. And many others have been writing me and you have been sending me your offerings. I count on your support and I need your support if this outreach is going to continue. Please stand by me. I need to hear from you. Write me a letter today and encourage me with your expression of support, with your offering and the Lord will bless you richly for it. I want just to give you a little sampling of some of the mail we've been getting. Uh, here is a letter from uh, a viewer in Northbrook, Illinois. And he writes, Dear Father Stefano, I have been watching you on Channel 38 in Chicago. I come from a Baptist church, but my father was Greek Orthodox. I have been a Christian baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues for five years, and it is so wonderful to see our Lord filling so many with His Holy Spirit, regardless of religious background. Praise the Lord for your ministry, and God bless you abundantly. Isn't that beautiful? Here's another letter from a man in uh, Harwood Heights, Illinois. 
Dear Father Stefano, your program on Channel 38 in Chicago has been a real blessing to me. I hope God will continue to bless your work of spiritual renewal for Orthodox Christians. And another letter, Dear Father Eusebius, this is from a Catholic nun from East Chicago, Indiana. I listened to you on television and I enjoyed your talk immensely and I believe with all my heart in your message. I come to you as an empty vessel asking you to help me enjoy the fullness of my spiritual inheritance. I want a deeper experience with a Savior. I am a retarded God's child eating only crumbs. I want all the Holy Spirit has for me. God bless you for your encouraging and inspiring words. Isn't that beautiful? See how much hunger there is out there for more of the things of God, for the fullness of God's love and of God's power, for the fullness of your spiritual inheritance. There are so many people that live and uh, exist in church today, and they go through the religious forms, but they never experience really the fullness of God's love. They've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and as a result, they lack that wonderful feeling of expectations, of, of expecting to see Jesus. That's what it's all about. And I'd like to speak to you today about what the signs of the times are which will point to the early return of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we do not know the exact day and the exact hour of the return of Jesus. The Lord has made it quite clear to us that it's not for us to know. For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And he says elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So, my beloved, you and I have to be ready at all times. We never know when he's going to come back. And we cannot take a chance because God will judge us just the way the Lord will find us that very moment he appears. His appearance will be uh, like a photograph. It will be like a camera. It will just catch us the way we are. So we have to be alert and be in a state of vigilance and always be in a state of alertness, always mindful of the presence of Jesus, letting him live his life in you and having a close walk with him and letting him minister to you because he's, the, he's our life. And we live to God, like Paul says, if we live, we live unto the Lord. And if we die, we die unto the Lord. And if we live or if we die, it is unto the Lord. So make Jesus Christ everything in your life because eternity is at stake and it's not worth losing uh, eternal salvation, my beloved, for the sake of momentary, for the sake of the momentary pleasure of sin and disobedience and rebellion against God. Now, in spite of the fact that the Lord doesn't tell us when he's going to come exactly and precisely on what day and what hour, nevertheless, he does tell us that there will be certain signs, there will be indications on the horizon in society, in the world, certain signs that will indicate that Jesus is going to be back soon without pinpointing the day or the time. In fact, in chapter 16 of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Jesus 
almost scolds his disciples for not becoming aware of the signs of the times. And he says, you can tell the weather. He says, from the sky, from the appearance of the sky, but you don't know how to tell the signs of the times. When it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? So Jesus wants us to have an idea, uh, to have some kind of a conception of the period in history when he will return. In other words, we should be aware of what's going on in the world today. On the international scene, for example, there's, there's so much Bible prophecy being fulfilled today. So many events in the world that point to the early return of Jesus Christ. But I want to turn to a portion in Scripture which I feel uh, brings out and clarifies uh, exactly what the circumstances will be uh, and exactly what the conditions will be morally speaking and spiritually speaking. And I read from chapter 24 of Matthew, verse 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, all right, we said that, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father, only. But then he goes on and he says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, what we have here is a comparison. Jesus is showing us a striking resemblance. There will be a striking resemblance between the circumstances and the conditions that prevailed in the days of Noah and the conditions that will prevail at the time of the return of Jesus Christ. In other words, there's going to be a similarity between the circumstances of Noah's time and the circumstances in the world during which time Jesus will come back. And one thing that we will have in common with the times of Noah will be the prevalence of sin. In other words, sin will prevail. Jesus says it in the Olivet Discourse, iniquity shall abound. Some people are saying we're getting better and better. Some people are, are optimistic. They say, well, the world's getting better and better. Society's getting better and better. Well, I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. In fact, God's word shows us that the world will not get better and better, but it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And that we're going to attain, uh, arrive at a, at a peak of iniquity. And I like to turn to uh, the book of Genesis where we have a description of the conditions at the time of Noah. We read here in chapter 6 of Genesis, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This describes the situation at, during his day. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Speaking about violence, don't we have a lot of violence today in the world with terrorism and so much lawlessness and so much 
uncertainty and fear in the world today. I'll tell you, my beloved, things are getting worse and worse because the day of the return of Jesus is drawing near. But it will not simply be just a matter of a lot of sinning. It's not going to be just a matter of a lot of iniquity and disobedience, a lot of ungodliness in the world. But it's going to be something worse. In other words, Satan is going to intervene in the world in a very remarkable way. In other words, there's going to be a direct intervention of spiritual agents from Satan's kingdom. And don't we see that today, my beloved? Look at the signs of uh, satanic presence today in the world. You've heard of Satan religion today that exists in some parts of this country and of other countries. There, there is something very candid about the reality of, of, of Satan and of the worship of Satan. In other words, there's nothing subtle about accepting Satan today. It's wide open. It's wide open and people are worshiping Satan. Now, this is something unheard of because usually Satan always reveals himself in the guise of, of, of good and of light. He always disguises himself. But today we see, we see Satan uh, just in his naked uh, reality, his naked evil. And there's a direct intervention. Look at all the witchcraft today and, and all the expressions of the occult that ha have become so popular today among young people on the college campuses. Young people are studying the occult today and all forms and manifestations of the occult. I don't have time to get into that now, but that's one of the signs of the times. And another thing is that God, at the time of Noah, uh, informed Noah. He informed him of his plan to destroy the world and to bring judgment upon the iniquitous world. And we read in uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 7, and, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. I cannot put up with them anymore. So God made his in intention known, and he spoke to Noah and revealed his will to him. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, <coughs> wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Now that's exactly what God is doing in the new covenant. He is revealing his plan to us. In other words, we already know as children of God, as Christians, as born-again children of God, we know God's intentions. We know his plan for the end time, for the closing age of, this, of the Christian dispensation. We don't have to go just by guesswork. We don't have to wonder and be in despair. But we have that certainty. We know that the world is going to be destroyed at some point in history as a result of God's judgment upon the world because of man's iniquity and because of man's submission to the devil and because man will rebel against God to such an intense degree. So there's that comparison. As it was in the days of Noah, Jesus says, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. It will be the same thing. The same conditions will prevail. But God's plan will also 
be the same. In other words, God will inform those who are righteous. And God found one man by the name of Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so as a result, Noah was saved, wasn't he? And all of his household, his wife and the rest of his family, were snatched out of the world, out of the earth, before the floodwaters covered the earth and destroyed everything on the earth. And so Noah, in the Old Testament, is the type and the foreshadowing of the person of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. In other words, Jesus Christ is the new Noah who has found grace in the sight of God because he's the only sinless one. But yet all those men and women who receive Jesus Christ also find grace in the sight of God because we are righteous in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our righteousness. So we have that right to come into that ark and to be delivered. We're part of his family. Isn't that beautiful? The love of Jesus. So God does not intend to destroy the righteous together with the unrighteous. But he has a plan to snatch out of the world those who are righteous in Jesus Christ. And that's the comfort, my beloved, that you and I have. That's the assurance. That's the unfailing promise that God has given you and me that we don't have to be afraid because we were not created for wrath. We were not destined to be destroyed, but that God has a plan for us. And at the time of Noah, God commanded Noah to build the ark. And Noah began, he commenced to build that ark. And according to the Bible, Noah spent 100 years building that ark. And when the ark was built, uh, God was pleased because Noah was obedient. And I read in chapter 6 of Genesis, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now that expresses the reality of Noah's unfailing and unreserved obedience to the commandment of God. In other words, God told him, Noah, I'm going to save you and your family, but you have to build this ark because the day is coming when I will destroy the world. I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Now, this again is a foreshadowing of the reality we find in the new covenant in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is that new Noah. He's the new Noah. And he also receives instructions from his father. And God tells Jesus to do the same thing, to build, to construct an ark. But the ark this time will be a spiritual ark. And Jesus was obedient. He was obedient to his heavenly father, obedient unto death, the death of the cross. Jesus gave his life up for the purposes of God, in other words, to save you and me, so that you and me might be included in God's family, so that we may be, might be snatched out of the earth when that moment comes 
when God will execute judgment and when he will unleash his wrath upon this iniquitous world. You and I will be delivered. We will be snatched out of the earth and we're going to be inside that ark. And what else is that ark except the church? The church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, is that spiritual ark. It took Noah 100 years to build his ark. And when the floodwaters came, Noah was saved in that ark with his family. And he floated upon the waters. That's the love and mercy of God. By the same token, Jesus is building his ark. Well, uh, he's not taking 100 years, but Jesus Christ has been building that ark now for the last 2,000 years. That's right. Do you know that the church is being built up? The Bible speaks about the church as being built up. And I also want to point out that Noah built the ark according to the specifications that God set down and Noah abided, and he conformed to those instructions, to the very letter of the, the, the instructions that God had set down, that that ark had to be built God's way if it was going to save Noah and his family. And Noah executed the plan of God, in other words, the design that God set down, and in the same way, we see this resemblance again in Jesus Christ, that Jesus also is building up his church, that new ark of salvation, according to God's blueprint. Jesus is following the will of God and the design that God conceived from the foundation of the world for the building up of that ark into which he is inviting and he's calling all those who are willing to repent of their sins and to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Because God is in the business of saving people. He doesn't want to destroy you. He doesn't want to cast you into hellfire. He wants to save you, but you have to follow his instructions. You have to meet his conditions if you are going to be an heir of those eternal promises if you're going to be spared the wrath which is to come in that last day. And we're approaching that day. Again, Jesus said, as were the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So the same situation will occur at the time when Jesus comes back and God is taking similar measures. The righteous will not be destroyed with the unrighteous. Now this time, God will destroy the world, not by, not by water. Not by water. There will, be not, no, there will not be a flood as it was in the days of Noah, but God will destroy the world by fire. There will be a deluge of fire. In other words, planet Earth will burn up and it doesn't take much faith, it doesn't take much imagination, my beloved, to believe that this is not only possible, but very probable in view of the likelihood of World War III. 
And I'll tell you, World War III will make World War II look like a Sunday school picnic because when that war breaks out, this planet will just burn in a nuclear holocaust. And I don't have time to get into that right now, but the Apostle Peter predicts that in, the, in his book of the New Testament that the world will be consumed by fire. But before that fire comes upon the earth, you and I will be snatched out of it. Isn't that wonderful? That's the love of God. That's the mercy of God. Now, when Noah was building that ark for 100 years, everyone was scoffing at him. They were all deriding him, making fun of him. They'd say, look at Noah. He's building an ark. Where's the water? Well, where's the fire? We have to follow God's instructions. We have to have faith in him and trust him, trust his love. And we have to repent of our sins now that there's time because when that day comes, it'll be too late. Remember when that door was shut? When Noah had that door shut, God shut that door when Noah and his family were in that ark. And then everyone began to repent when that water started falling. That's the way it's going to be in that last day. All the unrepentant sinners will begin to repent when they see that fire burning this earth, but it's going to be too late. Then they will know, because they'll see it with their eyes. But my beloved, we walk by faith, not by sight. We have to walk and govern our lives according to the promises of God. He can see ahead of us, and we have to trust him because he's our loving father. So my beloved, I ask you today, are you ready? Are you inside that ark? Have you accepted God's love? The Lord loves you today. My beloved friend out there, whoever you are, you might not know Jesus, even though you're a member of a church. I'm going to ask you to open your heart. I'm going to pray for you right now. Accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Come into an experience with Jesus. Father, we thank you for your plan of salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you've, taken, you've made provision for all of your children. Lord, that, you're, that you will manifest your grace for all those that have accepted your love and your mercy. Lord, touch that man and that woman out there right now, Lord. Make yourself, dear Jesus, real to that man, that woman, dear Jesus. Infuse your Holy Spirit into their hearts, Lord Jesus. Oh, meet their needs, Lord, and give them the gift of salvation. We ask this in the most precious and most wonderful name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Thank you for being with me. And may God's richest blessings be with you. I'm going to ask you to write me this week. And if you write me, I'm going to send you a copy of my magazine, The Logos. I want you to share with me whatever blessing you received on this program today. And I trust that God's love has touched your heart. He loves you and he made you not to destroy you. He made you not to unleash his wrath upon you, but to save you and to share his eternal blessedness, his eternal life of glory and supreme exaltation with you. Let God have his way in your life. God bless you richly. Thank you for having joined Father Stefanu in this new broadcast of Inspiration and Faith. We hope you will tune in again next week for another half hour of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This program is made possible by the free will offerings of the viewers. 
Your prayerful and financial support is vital to the continuance of this telecast.